Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Live your greatest life in your greatest body. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. Living your greatest life in a body that you love takes getting outside of your comfort zone and learning a lot of new things, which is why the Muscle Intelligence Podcast came to be. There's a lot of things that weren't on my radar as a professional athlete, professional bodybuilder. I just thought there was a very particular set of things that I needed to focus on and get really good at. What I learned was that I became very, very good at some things and had a lot of blind spots. And this topic is something that's come onto my radar very, very recently as being something that each and every one of us should be paying very close attention to. The topic today is deuterium, and my guest is the head of biochemistry from the Center of Deuterium Depletion in Santa Monica, California. Um, Dr. Laszlo Boros is a brilliant biochemist who is accredited on about 800 different levels, uh, literally looking at his bio in front of me here. It's a two-page bio starting all the way back to 1995 uh, when he became the lead investigator on um, studies on diabetes and cancer growth at UCLA. And so he's been doing cancer research for an extremely long time. He's very, very uh, well known around the world and teaches us today about deuterium and how it's affecting every one of our biological systems. So I won't do it justice to explain to you what deuterium is, but I'll try. Uh, deuterium is a isotope of hydrogen. So it's a heavy isotope of, of hydrogen. What does that mean? Um, hydrogen is known as being the smallest molecule in our body, and it very easily crosses cell membranes. If you increase the amount of um, protons, electrons, and neutrons in a hydrogen molecule, it becomes heavy, which means it's now harder to uh, cross the cell barrier. How's that impacted? Well, it's going to impact the cell's ability to produce energy. And as Dr. Boros will tell us, the implications that has are massive. It's going to decrease cellular energy production, so you're not going to feel as well. And it's also directly correlated, as you will explain, with illness, disease, cancer states inside the body. And if you can deplete deuterium in your body, it seems that there's a very high correlation with the increase in wellness and well-being and absence of disease by depleting deuterium in your body. Now, I'm not doing that justice in explaining that, so I, I want you guys to listen right to the end as I have an amazing conversation with Dr. Boros about what deuterium does, what it does in the body, um, why he thinks deuterium is so prevalent in our environment, and the fact that deuterium is necessary. It's a part of our environment. It comes from the earth, or ultimately from this, from space. Um, how our cells break down deuterium, um, what happens on our body when we have high levels of deuterium, why all disease benefits from deuterium depletion, um, is there any negative effects to having too little deuterium, um, what foods would he advocate eating most? And one very unique thing that I've actually never heard a scientist advocate, and um, I will say that there are some things in here that um, 
Dr. Boros says, that may not resonate with everybody. Um, there's definitely some controversial things in here, especially for someone who's an athlete. Um, so take what Dr. Boros has to say, uh, apply what you will, and use your wisdom and what you know about yourself to be um, to apply to your current scenario. Um, you're going to love this conversation. You're going to learn a lot. And I would say that if you if you normally listen to these podcasts on Speed 2.0, I would suggest not doing that because there's going to be some interesting words and some interesting um, definitions that you may not be familiar with. And if you're going too fast, you're going to miss them. And you want to know every little bit about deuterium so that you can learn to live a deuterium-depleted life. Without further rambling, without further explanation, I bring you Dr. Laszlo Boros on the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Enjoy. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Boros. Uh, truly a fan of what you do. And this is one of those areas where I think most people have never actually heard of deuterium and have no idea what it does. But it's uh, definitely something that's been coming a lot, uh, coming up a lot lately in my research and in my studies. And it seems like all the brightest people in the world, particularly in the area of cancer research and longevity, are very interested in deuterium. Um, could you enlighten us and tell us what it's about? Yeah. It so, so it go goes all the way back to how of cells produce energy it's a very easy scenario in the fact that it's actually based on hydrogen transfer or okay. or a proton transfer and uh, hydrogen has a stable isotope uh, which is uh, twice as heavy as hydrogen itself that's what we call deuterium and it stops yep. working all the protein nanomotors, all the moving parts in our cells, all the energy production proteins. It interferes with their movements and their ability to deliver energy for our cells. And there is stable hydrogen isotope or deuterium, which is twice as heavy as hydrogen itself. Just for the curious people, hydrogen has one proton and an electron. But deuterium has a proton mm -hmm. and a neutron and an electron, which makes it twice as heavy. So as you are a weightlifter, you know what happens when somebody gives you twice as like heavy of a weight to lift. Uh, you have to adopt. You have to adjust. You have to train for it. But cells don't. They don't have this ability. So this, you know, pattern, practically they have to filter deuterium out as much as possible for their proteins to work in a physiological or in a biochemical uh, context. So practically, we have to get rid of it one way or another. Sure. So it's my understanding that, that deuterium is a naturally occurring thing in your body. Uh, it happens and uh, it's just a certain level of, of deuterium, like 130 parts per million that you suggest we need to be below to function optimally. Uh, that's right. Um, Actually, deuterium is in the environment. It's it's part of atomic or, or nuclear fusion, which happens in the sun, where hydrogen or protons are squeezed together. This is how deuterium is generated in nature. So practically every planet, every um, gas that has hydrogen, have they have deuterium as well. So including our nutritional kind of surrounding food, water, and air. So it's everywhere. Deuterium is everywhere. It's part of our natural isotope or stable isotope environment. But we adopted to a much lower range of deuterium, uh, which is below 130 ppm parts per million. Parts per million practically tells you out of a million 
hydrogen, how many deuterium there is. And it doesn't seem like a big difference uh, as it comes to 130 parts per million or 155 parts per million, which is the deuterium content in, in oceanic water. But uh, when you consider that how quick and how rapid is the proton transfer, meaning that how many times our cells do a head count of how many protons and how many deuteriums there are, um, that velocity, that speed is, is incredible using these little moving protein nanomotors in our body. Actually, uh, one deuterium at 155 ppm can break down a nanomotor in every four and a half seconds simply because proton transfer is so quick. So, practically looking at a big uh, department store with a rotating door up the front, so every person has to go through the doors and and people who don't fit, they stop the traffic there. So that's practically what the team does in our body. It clogs up all biochemical networks, all biochemical re uh, reaction channels, including energy production, ATP synthesis in our mitochondria. So it, this is why it has to be depleted. And through depletion, this is how it has, it is actually filtered in our body. Very interesting. Do you think that um, deuterium prevalence in the environment has always been at the same level? Or is this, is this something that's occurring to a greater degree as a result of maybe pollution or, or degradation of some uh, aspect of the environment? Uh, yeah, so caveman's time, we have measurements. Uh, those are geographical, geological environmental measurements of, uh, of, of dust from volcanic eruptions uh, 15,000 years ago, the team levels were about 10, 15 ppm lower. And it's, the, it's based on the um, warming of the oceanic, the team source, which is oceanic water and vapor and also change in climate. We know we went through an ice age where actually the team is more depleted in the environment. And uh, as we, and as we uh, develop search, cer certain food um, preparation procedures, especially industrial uh, and GMO preparations, those actually interfere with the team in the environment, in, in our food. And now we are actually higher than it used to be. And it's, it, it just keeps increasing based on industrial food production procedures that includes GMO, uh, certain irrigation systems, artificial fertilizers, and so on. So there's, as you mentioned, there's a change in the term in our environment. We believe that it has a lot to do with um, epidemiological scares of obesity, cancer, diabetes, and so on. So we believe that deuterium, because of its biological effects, um, has a, a big role in this change in in health, in general health. How do, how does it enter the the food cycle? Like I, I can't, I, I don't really understand if you've if you've clarified. You know, I know you said it's in GMO products, it's in it's in the water, but how does the just prevalence increase? Like, how does it actually enter into the food chain? Um, GMO is practically just knocking down genes in plants that actually filter deuterium out. 
So, uh, okay. so actually increasing deuterium in any living organism would actually make them to grow faster or grow for longer periods, periods of time. I, I'll give you a good example. Uh, there are two type of cellular types. So there are two types of cells. One we call prokaryotes, which actually are bacteria and yeast. They continuously keep growing simply because they rotate these nanomotors to retain deuterium from the environment and deuterium getting into their DNA makes them to grow continuously. That's the role in our gut, for example, to filter out deuterium from our food. That's why they, that's why we have bacteria and yeast in our, in our uh, digestive system. Um, on the other hand, cells, eukaryotes, which actually have mitochondria that can actually completely filter out deuterium from water and food while oxidizing them into metabolic or matrix water. Um, actually, they are able to get rid of deuterium completely. So this is why those cells, eukaryotes cells or uh, specialized cells or, or differentiated cells like muscle cells are able to function and produce energy without dividing simply because they can filter out deuterium completely during their energy production process in the mitochondria using these little protein nanomotors. So practically, uh, deuterium accumulation is a big factor in growth. This is why GMO is practically and watering plants and artificial um, um, fertilizers are actually making these plants to be able to retain more deuterium and grow faster. That's practically the crop size is bigger. So that's practically more economical. It's not healthier though, because uh, probably all these procedures after all affect the deuterium content of our food. And when we eat those high deuterium uh, food sources or food items, then we make hydrogen metabolic water in our mitochondria while we are breathing in oxygen and using hydrogen from food. If it's deuterium, then our mitochondrial water will be deuterium contaminated. And that's a big damaging factor as far as our energy production and health goes. So it sounds like these companies that may be genetically modifying foods are actually adding deuterium in to enhance growth of, of um, crops? Indirectly, yes. Very interesting. Now, when you say our cells um, break down um, deuterium, can you tell me exactly how that goes? Like, are they just breaking it down to neutrons and protons and electrons, or, or what? What exactly is happening? Yeah. So it's, we we don't break down deuterium. We just use hydrogen or deuterium, or try to use deuterium when it's too high in our food to make metabolic water. Now, the way our cells produce energy is that it happens in the mitochondria. There are little rotating proteins. They are called complex five or ATP synthase. And what happens is the mitochondria has membranes to actually conceal or seal these proteins or pep, uh, you know, whatever we digest, whatever we eat, eventually our mitochondria will harvest the, the hydrogen from them. We breathe out the carbon dioxide. As we all know, we breathe out carbon dioxide as part of the energy production process. And we breathe in oxygen from air and the hydrogen from food to make water in mitochondria. This is 
by the time the protons get into the mitochondrial matrix, they were spinning, they were powering these ATP synthase nanomotors, but at, at the end, water is produced, and this water is completely free of deuterium, and the Krebs cycle or uh, tricarboxylic acid cycle, which spin in our mitochondria, recycle this water, this deuterium-free water, to keep these nanomotors going. This water production is very significant. Considering the amounts of protons we transfer each day, that's about 3,000, 2.3 thousand gallons of water each day. So it's, it's actually a very significant amount of protons that we have to move. So this is how you can tell how important the TM level is because of this very rapid movement of protons. Because of this uh, deuterium content in the environment, these nanomotors are now more of a um, um, hard to keep them uh, moving or rotating in the desired physiological range. So this is why we have, we believe, so many population diseases that now becoming big health challenges. Interesting. So one of the physiological um, symptoms that someone may experience of, with high deuterium just sounds like, you know, poor metabolism, poor energy production, therefore potentially uh, lethargy? It, it's, it's, it's fatigue, um, and uh, it's, it, it, it may manifest in many different forms depending on what organs are affected, but usually obesity, um, glucose intolerance, fatigue, um, maybe the first or lack of, of sleep or uh, not being able to focus, um, cloudiness, tiredness, headaches, um, unable to digest food efficiently. Those are all signs of high deuterium in the environment. We call metabolic crowding or metabolite crowding when actually these nanomotors are not able to process protons or not able to burn food um, at the scale, at the rate that is desired, then it's going to be like a clogged up ignition system in a car. You're just going to experience um, many symptoms. Um, first, the performance will decrease. Um, there's going to be increased gas consumption and very inefficient burning of the gas. So practically, it's just, just a combination of all sort of problems that come from the function of these nanomotors. And the fuel, when it's contaminated with uh, sand or, or, or a material that is interfering with the oxidation process, then uh, eventually performance will will be compromised. So it sounds like you just listed just about every complaint that everyone in, in America has right now. And, and most people are correlating it with inflammation or insulin resistance or obesity. But it sounds to me like you're saying those things are correlated, but deuterium is actually the direct cause of all those things. Yeah, that's right. So when it comes to the cause, there are many symptoms when it comes to the cause it's it's most likely it's increased deuterium in, in, in the body or, or in the environment, yes. Wow. And now another thing that 
um, it's important to point out kind of going down that path is it seems as though you guys have started to, to detect a correlation between elevation and deuterium levels and the incidence or prevalence of cancer growth. Uh, that's right. So we started measuring deuterium in bread saliva and urine. We have a various test that we can perform. And um, in general, the deuterium in, in human breath is very high uh, compared to um, previous times we believe when deuterium was much lower in the environment. Um, in our breath, it's still lower than the environmental deuterium content, um, yet it's really in a very high range compared to the desired deuterium measurements that we obtain from natural fat-eating or grass-fed animals. Those are all below the 125, 120 ppm range. Um, our body produces deuterium-depleted water that is even lower. Um, we believe that some of the water is completely deuterium-free in the mitochondrial matrix, and our plasma and, and tissue fluids uh, are saturated with deuterium that is coming from the environment. And after all, um, there is a correlation between deuterium content and in drinking water. And uh, if you actually put together the map of deuterium content in drinking water in the United States and disease statistics map like anxiety, those maps are identical, meaning that the correlation between anxiety, depression, and deuterium in the environment is, is, is a very high correlation factor. It's actually one, wow. uh, which is very high correlation. And if you use the map of cancer statistics in the United States, cancer incidence or cancer death rates, it matches the deuterium map in drinking water, which affects obviously our environment of what kind of food we eat, what kind of... Uh, and what kind of water we drink or what kind of soups we, we, we cook. So, so after all, this is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, is, does it seem to you like um, the simple decreasing of deuterium in somebody's system would then correlate with uh, short-term or even long-term decrease in inflammation, insulin resistance, and potentially obesity? So short of people having to – obviously, people have to change their diet because they're consuming – uh, nutrition is, or food that's high in deuterium, but if they do that, is there a correlation with all these other, you know, kind of metabolic diseases going away? That's right. If you deplete your deuterium successfully, meaning that you can use deuterium depleted water and ketogenic food, natural ketogenic sor sources, which are generally low in deuterium, usually all your medical complaints go away. Absolutely incredible. Now, so talking to this 130 parts per million situation, like as as we start to get to 135 and 140 and 145 and up, up to 155, is the is the general cor correlation with cancer increase the higher your number goes? That's right. If you if you um, if you go higher in water consumption, that is high in deuterium. That's how your cancer map would align with general health status. It's uh, it, it, actually very, there's a very good paper in, uh, from Oxford, from, from the UK, where they actually use a map of the tomb content in drinking water from the United States uh, 
geographical measurements database, and they match that data with anxiety, depression disorders, and that correlation is one. And if you use a different map, which is not the anxiety uh, and depression incidents, but the cancer incidents in the United States, that's the same map practically. So there's a very high correlation between deuterium content in drinking water and these population diseases, but it's pretty much the same with diabetes and obesity. So it seems that there are areas where people getting more sick or they have more population diseases. Um, that includes um, obesity, diabetes, uh, the metabolic syndrome, um, cancer, uh, glucose intolerance, uh, chronic inflammation, uh, celiac disease. So there, there's there's a there's a clear, clear correlation of disease epidemics, including many population diseases nowadays, and this deuterium map. So as as you said, it it is worth of looking at these values of your local environment, how much deuterium you're exposed to, and uh, how to be able to deplete it or how to change it using a very uh, totally and very carefully designed drinking and eating protocol, which we call deuterium depleting diets or mitochondrial cleaning uh, diets. Will someone with cancer experience benefits from um, depleting the deuterium, even though they already have cancer, or by that point, is it too late? Um, uh, all diseases benefit from deuterium depletion, including cancer. Uh, we do have uh, cases um, and uh, reports where actually deuterium depletion would benefit patients with cancer, or we have biomarkers, biological, biochemical markers that respond to deuterium depletion and then follow up with patients. We can determine the biological behavior or the biological response to deuterium depletion. And practically, this is the most valuable aspect of measuring deuterium in breath, saliva, and urine because we can give uh, a good estimate and, and a good uh, evaluation of somebody's general health status. And we can uh, determine what's the uh, desired goal they need to reach as far as depleting their deuterium to be on the safe side as far as population diseases go. Interesting. Now, I've heard you say in the past that um, deuterium depleted water exists anywhere between 25 and 125 parts per million. Um, is, is there any reason why we wouldn't just be going as low as possible in deuterium uh, as far as the water we consume and the, and the food we consume? Like, is there any negative effect to having too little deuterium? Well, nothing grows below 40 ppm. So, um, and obviously, since your body produces its own water and it's from food, um, it's really very hard to, to deplete the team completely. It's always going to be the average of what you have been eating, what you have been drinking, how much you have been oxidizing, and what type of substrates you're oxidizing in your cells on a cell-specific manner and how much deuterium you accumulated in your fat pads and in your body in general. So it, 
in 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 vitro or in pet, petri dish experiments, uh, nothing grows uh, or nothing would divide in water uh, lower than 40 ppm deuterium with deuterium content. Yet it's really hard to achieve in our cells simply because there is deuterium in food. Uh, using the deuterium natural environment, we can model what food what drinks, how much deuterium there is, and uh, practically your mitochondrial deuterium content will be influenced. It, it will be the overall um, deuterium content of what you've been eating or what you've been drinking. Uh, it's also expensive to drink very low deuterium because the the production, the way we, the the way pharmaceutical companies produce deuterium or well, there's just only one f company that produces deuterium depleted water in pharmaceutical range. Um, uh, they actually use a very sophisticated uh, fractionation methods uh, developed for physics and geographical research. And those actually depleting methods are uh, the most efficient ones. And yet, um, it's really unnecessary to drink very low deuterium water simply because it matters what you eat as well. So you have to combine the two and uh, probably in the range of 105 or 85 ppm drinking water and eating food in the 110, 120 ppm range is probably the safest and the most efficient that, uh, that you can do. How do you feel um, fasting is contributing to deuterium levels? Is that one of the side benefits that people kind of aren't acknowledging about fasting? Fasting is is slipping into a nutritional or metabolic ketosis because you start burning fat uh, sooner or later after like a twenty four hours period. Uh, right, but I mean, period. as far as deuterium goes, because you're not consuming any any more deuterium, do you think that's, that's contributing right. to the benefits of fasting? That's right. That's yeah. right. Depending on what is your fat, um, what you're burning, what is your internal fat? If you've been eating carbohydrates, it may take uh, a few months to get rid of your deuterium in your fat pads. But wow. after that, fasting should be a very efficient deuterium depleting method. Now, this may seem like a, a really weird question. We're going to ask it anyways because a lot of the population is, uh, at least the listeners of my show, are, are interested in adding muscle. And you talk about deuterium being correlated with growth. Um, would there be, and this again, <laughs> another weird question, but would there be any benefit to increasing deuterium if your objective is growth? Well, you, you, you actually don't grow muscle cells. You make them bigger. And uh, we, we call it, uh, it's not, it's not a, a, a sad division process. It's, it's more like a hypertrophy where actually muscle cells become larger and they are more filled up with proteins. These are uh, fibers that actually use ATP to deliver force and strength. So um, retaining deuterium or depleting deuterium does not interfere with building muscle simply because you're not making muscle cells to divide. You're just actually making muscle cells to be more um, uh, crowded with proteins that actually are moving parts to to actually lift weight or, or deliver work. 
or just make those muscles work. So um, the team depletion, especially if it comes to supplements, um, can be done uh, during exercise. In fact, that's how I guess the team depletion can be done most efficiently when you make a lot of the team depleted water in your cells. So if you pick your um, your muscle kind of feeding supplements carefully and you use natural grass-fed uh, animals' proteins and you use animal that are grass-fed uh, products during your exercise, uh, which are surely deuterium depleted, you can still build your muscle strength um, and make those proteins actually work better and faster simply because there's less deuterium to process. So your ATP synthase, these energy-producing little nanomotors, they work more efficiently. So <clears throat> deuterium is not a part of building muscle. It's actually part of cell divisions. Um, you can actually do very efficiently in the gym if you deplete deuterium, if you use the right supplements, and actually your perform should improve uh, somewhat, or your um, system can be adapted to a lower deuterium environment, which increases the efficiency of these ATP synthase nanomotors. So after all, if, if it's not only look, but it's also performance, then deuterium depletion is definitely a good way to to exercise in the gym and build muscles because you're in the safe side as far as developing diseases in the future that are related to metabolism or even cellular proliferation like cancer. Right. So what foods um, would you advocate consuming most of? So which ones are going to be lowest in deuterium? Is it just going to be your basic organic foods and making sure you're avoiding things like pesticides and GMOs? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's natural ketogenic uh, food and supplements it's it's uh yeah just uh, avoiding anything that is uh gmo or anything that is uh uh water excessively uh, it's better if you eat more fat and exercise than drink water and exercise and and take uh, gmo supplements it's it's it it is practically just a ketogenic uh grass-fed, uh, natural uh, food source or food environment, that's that's what we recommend. So even things like fruits and, you know, tubers and, and you know, sweet potatoes and such are not ideal uh, foods to consume just because of the high water content? And deuterium content. Fruits are high in deuterium and sugars and carbohydrates. We would definitely... Uh, recommend stay away from fruits and stay away from high uh, fruit sugar or high fructose corn syrup and so on. Um, there are supplements that are low in deuterium. They designed uh, for low deuterium calorie intake. Um, we do have some of those uh, uh, products. Dr. Q can talk about those because I'm not I'm not involved in in in. Uh, <laughs> Those yeah. are specific uh, products yet. I'm the biochemist. I can explain how those work on the biochemistry scale. But um, yeah, there are there are many products that I know Quest carefully picks and selects their 
uh, supplements and, and food sources. So usually those um, could be recommended. I'm not, again, uh, in, you know, more than biochemical background information, but uh, as long as you have food source that is uh, grass-fed or natural deuterium depleted uh, protein source or fat source, then you can use those. Stay away from carbohydrates or, or fruits because those are high in deuterium, so those are actually dangerous. Is there anything else you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, short of ketogenic dieting and, and avoiding the things you mentioned to uh, optimize deuterium levels? Don't drink water. Really? Um, yeah, you only drink water when you're thirsty and you only drink water when you're thirsty and you're still thirsty after five minutes because your best source of water is your internal water that is recycled in your cells. Antidiuretic hormone or ADH is responsible for recycling and retaining body in your uh, water in your body. Unfortunately, nowadays population because of excessive water drinking, bottled waters, those are actually compromising your ADH levels if you drink excessively when you're, when you're not thirsty. Uh, we, our, our drinking recommendation is that practically eat when you're, drink when you're thirsty, uh, drink as much as you uh, need to drink to kill your thirst unless you have to use the team depleted water for some medical purposes. If you have some medical issues or you want to take some preventive measures, then you can follow certain protocols that we recommend that contain certain water drinking habits, certain water drinking recommendations, and certain supplements and foods. So, and those recommendations are more of a therapeutic or more of a preventive um, matters. As long as if you just live a healthy, if you want to live a healthy lifestyle and you exercise, uh, our recommendation is, or you don't want to take supplements or you don't want to take uh, certain type of water, then you, our recommendation is just to drink when you are thirsty and don't drink excessively. There's no recommendation of how much you should drink. Uh, you have your thirst. That's the best marker. That's what your body is using to signal um, uh, water uh, intake, if you will. So practically, you just want to follow your instincts, you follow your physiological regulation mechanisms, and you only drink when you're thirsty. That's, that's probably the best way to preserve your health. That's very interesting. Now, obviously, there's a lot of um, brilliant researchers and physicians and, and doctors out there talking about all the benefits of, of drinking more water. Um, now, do you think that this um, you know, neglecting to drink water to deplete deuterium will outweigh the positive benefits of detoxification and, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Well, again, I mean, it's easy for doctors to recommend drinking water because simply you just have to grab the water and drink. Yeah, they can't really do the same practically when it comes to urination, which is the same process, you know, maintaining your water compartments in your body. You can't just pee when the doctors tell you to pee. So, you know, you have to think about these processes as they are very uh, important physiological 
water consumption and water release or urination. Those are the part of the same process, yet uh, truly uh, you have your physiological signal and your physiological regulatory mechanisms that you have to follow to actually be in a physiological or biochemically meaningful site. You know, just because somebody tells you to drink bottled water because that's how Auto or bottle and water companies make money. Sure, and yep. it's a general kind of recommendation that lacks that that doesn't have physiological biochemical foundations. It's just practically a marketing tool. That that's there's you know even though doctors recommend that they really don't think biochemically when they recommend water. You should listen to your body before you listen to any doctor. Brilliant. Now, I think everyone who's listening is going to want to go out and have them themselves tested for deuterium. Can you tell me what you guys are doing now to um, allow us to test? Yeah. So if you go to um, uh, the Center for Deuterium Depletion or ddcenters.com, it's just simply just ddcenters.com, then you're going to see uh, how to get tested or how to get um, continually tested or repeatedly tested once you start this, these uh, protocols. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of medical papers that we published and that have been published by others regarding deuterium. Uh, those are for the more curious um, participants or more curious people who want to know the basic biochemical backgrounds. We actually have papers uh, like what to eat, what not to eat on, in the medical literature. So you, you, you can find all level of information, yet um, the best way to start is just to go to the ddcenters.com and from there you can find a lot of linked continued information that directs you to a better health. Very interesting. Dr. Boris, do you feel like um, certain populations are more predisposed to um, having elevated levels of deuterium and the negative effects of it, or is this a, a human species uh, across the board situation? Well, humans prepare their own food. In the animal kingdom, um, they pretty much learned everything, how to build like big nests, how to you know, dance, how to sing, yet they can't really prepare food, and it's not Practically, that's the best way to protect yourself from envi environmental deuterium. Um, unfortunately, humans, again, you know, society and technologies and especially agricultural products and crops, um, they actually have high deuterium nowadays, meaning that humans are more prone to develop some population diseases that do not exist in the animal kingdom, or at least not with that epidemic scale that now we see these in human populations. So you, you're right. Um, uh, our food, our nutritional products, including water and excessive water drinking and eating high carbohydrate, low fat food, that has been the recommendation for the last 20, 25 years or even longer, that now shows on how to in population health predictors. So we are not having, or we are not living uh, quality, long quality life, 
practically disease show up very early. Um, we have very early cancer cases. Cancer epidemics is really devastating. And so is uh, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity. That's not quality life. I, you know, I prefer just uh, eating a ketogenic, natural ketogenic diet, drink very little water and have a healthy life and uh, just avoiding all the recommendations and all the advertisements and all the different kind of, you know, health related recommendations. I don't trust them simply because they don't talk about deuterium. Uh, they are not aware of deuterium. So for that particular reason, it's just the best way is just to start at finding out what deuterium is and how you can limit it. And the best source is practically just go to a website and there you can find out a lot about these deuterium related issues. Excellent. Dr. Boris, what are you guys studying right now with respect to deuterium and, and you know, improving health? I'm, you know, you're a brilliant biochemist. I'd love to hear where your thought process has gone in the last three months, three to six months. Yeah, so we study um, various disease um, processes in relation with deuterium, and that includes uh, cancer, various models of cancer. Um, we do follow up with patients who are on deuterium depleting or deuterium depletion protocols. Um, usually they report back uh, uh, because of their improved health or because of the complete uh, remission of, of tumor progression. So it's, it's, it's practically a very uh, informative, um, very informative, uh, there was a, a call in the meantime. Can you see me now? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, I don't know who was calling, but anyways. So, um, in in fact, you 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 know our our studies in general, we look at uh, various initial deuterium levels before depletion, and then if there are related medical. Uh, issues, then we follow up with them later after another measurement. We would like to see deuterium in breast, saliva, and urine below 135 ppm. We also look at a factor of how different your breast deuterium content and your urine and saliva deuterium contents are, because those are also important biological uh, parameters. And if somebody has a disease process like cancer, we follow up with them uh, if they are willing, simply because we want to know how their disease uh, would progress, and we have some some very efficient and historically published uh, cases um, where actually we could show the the clear benefit of deuterium depletion with long survival and lack of disease progression and highly improved quality of life. Yeah, I was going to ask you that next is what, what sort of um, success rate are you guys seeing with, you know, someone who has cancer depleting deuterium and actually seeing a benefit? Um, well, there are case reports in the medical literature uh, where actually there, are, there is long progression. Um, we, talk, we are talking about years, long years uh, when it comes to cancer. Obviously, cancer types are different, uh, but uh, 
our patients don't really die, um, quote unquote, you know, obviously we all die at some point, but it's not necessarily cancer, even though if you've been diagnosed with cancer. So we have some 80,000 years patient cumulative treatment years. Um, I believe, um, I don't want to give you too many data points because there are clinicians who actually, I'm the scientist, I'm the biochemist, so I just tell them how it works and why it works. Uh, but clinicians have run larger studies with very long survival, periods of survival or lack of progression of the disease or in some cases, uh, complete cures or they can't find or can't visualize cancers in a later state. But those are all below, I believe, the 135, 130 ppm after all with these measurements. So some take some serious matters when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to deuterium depletion. And if you have cancer that is rapidly progressing, then you need to immediately evaluate your deuterium status. That's what we recommend and you need to start depleting um, as efficiently as you can simply because that may give you uh, some benefits. Um, and we talk and we correlate or coordinate with uh, uh, clinicians, especially oncologists or integrative doctors who, if they incorporate the tumor depletion or the treatment protocols, it's usually for the benefits of patients. Uh, but we, again, clinicians who actually have databases, uh, they have significant uh, amounts of cumulative years treating these patients, including breast, um, prostate, colon, and lung cancer. Those are published in the medical literature. Uh, some of them were presented at uh, international conferences. It's really worthwhile uh, looking at those uh, papers and that material because it will give you some good hints of how significant and how, fish, how, how efficient these treatments are. In our general database, we have several thousands of patients who actually have been measuring depleting deuterium. They may or may not publish their results. Um, it's up to them. We are hoping that in the uh, social media and in the publicly available databases, uh, patients will publish the results so we can run clinical studies, uh, retrospective uh, clinical studies based on publicly available data. Uh, there are now medical publications, for example, in diabetes uh, treated without insulin with ketogenic diet, and those studies are now conducted from uh, and by data or data sets that are reported by patients or made publicly available. So um, the, the, the public um, uh, surfaces or, or, or the social media is a very useful tool to actually answer those questions that you've been asking in a later period of time. Until then, we are citing medical papers or case reports or medical papers or clinical studies available in the in the medical literature which are all very encouraging
Very cool. Have you seen any correlation between environmental exposures and uh, deuterium levels, meaning sunlight or artificial light or uh, anything other than just water that's impacting deuterium? That's right. In the Mississippi area, there's very high deuterium in, in the environment because of the high evaporation of the ocean and uh, river waters. Cancer is very high in those areas. Um, on the other hand, Colorado has a very, because of the high altitude, low deuterium content, they also have very low uh, cancer incidence or that rates. And those are all related to deuterium maps or deuterium in the environment. So we believe that one of the most significant, and this can be almost seen everywhere in the United States, um, environmental factors when it comes to toxins or deuterium, actually deuterium is, is, is more significant and simply just because of evaporation and because of, of uh, food sources that come from local environments or local local um, uh, growers, um, the, the water content of deuterium in water affects food and, and drinking water sources. So after all, it shows up in, in health or in, in diseases like cancer. But you're right, uh, deuterium maps and cancer death rates or maps, statistical maps, they actually match each other. Dr. Boris, this is incredible. And I'm so grateful for you for continuing to help us truthfully save lives around the world. And I look forward to all the amazing new discoveries that come out of the deuterium, um, Center for Deuterium Depletion. Um, thank you very much for your time, uh, truthfully. And I'll definitely be guiding everyone over to the center and look forward to what you guys have to offer in the future. Thank you so much. And uh, say hello to our friends at Quest. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I absolutely will. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you. So how was it? Dr. Boros is obviously an incredible wealth of information, and I really feel like he did his best to dumb this conversation down for me and for you so that we can begin to uh, be understand what deuterium is and its implications on us and our health and longevity. So some of the takeaways uh, from this episode are, as Dr. Boros mentioned, he advocates not drinking water. And now I don't want to say that I advocate or condone that, um, again, that's his opinion, and his opinions are obviously his own and uh, do not reflect mine or anyone else perhaps in the health profession. Um, I don't say it's you know, he's wrong. I just say that uh, you may want to consider your own circumstance. Um, now, things that are going to uh, benefit from deuterium depletion that I want to kind of reiterate, um, Dr. Boros suggests that cancer, sleep apnea, Lyme disease, infertility, traumatic brain injury, PTSD, epilepsy, hormone imbalances, premature aging, pain, weight loss, type 1 and 2 diabetes, um, insomnia, autoimmunity, Parkinson's, depression, Asperger's, anxiety, life extension, adrenal fatigue, ADHD, athletic performance, and more will benefit from depleting deuterium. That's amazing. That's pretty incredible. And uh, all the, the research holds up. And there's some really, really fascinating things. And I, I don't actually know very many people who have experimented with depe depleting deuterium, but the people that I do know have absolutely said they've noticed a massive difference in their health. Here's one thing you need to know. If you exercise every day, if you're out in the sun every day, your body is already likely depleted in deuterium. If you're, if you're sedentary and consuming really junky foods, your body is probably consuming an, or you probably have an excess of deuterium. So for our healthy population, deuterium often isn't a concern, but knowing the 
this information. If you ever happen to come across a health condition or um, a, a family member or friend who has a health condition, knowing about deuterium, I think is an extremely valuable uh, asset to you. So the main things you can do right now to uh, deplete your body of deuterium are exercise, are eating healthy foods like, as Dr. Boro says, a, a low-carb, uh, low-sugar, low-toxic uh, diet, potentially ketogenic as he advocates. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you did, um, this is one of those that if there's someone out there you know who potentially is suffering from cancer or suffering from one of these diseases I just mentioned, share the episode with them so they can reap the benefits of this information and potentially go over and follow Dr. Boros on his website, which is the Center for Deuterium Depletion. And if you guys end up picking anything up over there, we actually have a discount code for you. Uh, it's Muscle Intelligence, which will get you a discount off all the stuff over at Center of Deuterium Depletion. And they will send you testing kits, which is particularly interesting for anyone who wants to check it out. I think it's a really interesting thing. And if you want to take any interventions, uh, you can do that. It was actually suggested to me yesterday that um, a reverse osmosis water filter can actually deplete deuterium. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I was told. So if anybody does know about that, love to hear about you guys. And as always, uh, head over to iTunes, follow the Muscle Intelligence Podcast because we have amazing guests coming at you soon as I continue to live out this passion and this mission of helping you and me live an amazing life in a body that we love. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.